you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean Foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last crunch berry. No! No one steals my crunch berries. I think you mean my crunch berries. Choose your own crunch venture with Captain Crunch. Hello and welcome back to Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at D1Baseball.com. I'm your host, Joe Healy, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Mark Etheridge. Today we're going to talk a little about some of the news that came out of ABCA last weekend. I, I was there and um, you know did some good networking. That's always fun. But also there was there was some business. There was some uh, you know NCAA tournament selection committee business that got kind of some of it, frankly, got dropped in our laps. Some of it was stuff that, um, you know, we, we, you know, maybe had been talked about, but we're going to kind of unpack all that, talk about what it means specifically from an SEC standpoint, obviously, but, but really just kind of generally to give you an idea of, of what all that's going to mean. So that that's going to be the main crux of the show today. But before we get into any of that, I have to let you know that this episode of Highway to Hoover and every episode of Highway to Hoover is brought to you by PitchLogic. The system used by players, coaches, scouts, and instructors at all levels of play from youth leagues to the big leagues. The easy-to-use and affordable technology makes the platform accessible to every player at every level. All the metrics and features used at the highest level, see PitchLogic.com for more information. Uh, PitchLogic also at ABCA, a good booth setup they had there for PitchLogic at ABCA, in addition to a number of other folks who advertised with us at D1 Baseball. It was great to see some of those folks. Um, Before we get to the the topic of of the day here mark um yeah. are you or are you not going to be alabama's next head coach i can hold your feet to the fire or on this deny one. at this point um when what, they what do that, find yeah what that, that some news man that would be some news are they going to when they decide on a coach is it kind of like when they when they elect a new pope and there's the like smoke coming there's out smoke, it's like crimson yeah. colored smoke coming out of the malmore <laughs> complex <laughs> yeah i you don't rule it out. I mean, th- this is more important than than popage. I mean, this is this is SEC football, right? I mean, this That's is right. this is you know, it's it's often been compared to religion, and I think I think that's what you're going to see because my, my daughter's at Alabama. She's a student. She's a senior there, and um, she explained. I mean, it was like a funeral up there. I mean, mm. people were just so, especially you know, if you're that age. Because that's really all your memories, okay? Saban is Alabama football to you. That's fair, yeah. And uh, it was, it was, it was definitely a. She said, you know, like a surreal deal, right? So, um, so, so that's obviously the biggest story in the SEC, you know, for now. And who knows, you know, where that land? Certainly, there's a lot of money. It's an attractive job, but who wants to follow that guy? I mean, there is only one direction, and it is not up. Okay, so it's it's a 
it's a great job. It's going to pay you a lot of money and you're going to have all everything you need to win, but you better win. Yeah. It's uh first of all, it was the most Nick Saban thing ever that, you know, reportedly he had like a normal work day with like meetings and interviewing like position coaches or whatever. And then was like, Hey, by the way, I'm retiring. See <laughs> you guys. <laughs> yeah. And then he's just gone. And it's like, okay, see you, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, just very, very Nick Saban, but you're right about, I mean, two things that I think are related here. You mentioned, you know, you're, you're having a daughter at, at Bama who's a senior and her whole life has been Nick Saban being the coach at Alabama. Relatedly, I think young people kind of forget, and I don't need to remind you, Mark, but young people kind of forget not one of those. like the nineties yeah. and early two thousands were not kind to Alabama football. Yeah. Alabama um, fans sat through the mics. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. It was it was one problem after another, you know, there, there were some really lean years. There were some decent years. I mean, every, I think the stat is every Alabama football coach uh, sent from Brian own has had a 10 win season, which, you know, it's kind of surprising, right? Other than Mike yeah. Price, he, he had a different well, kind yeah, of 10, he, but it yeah, was, <laughs> it, but the, the point is, you know, you can win there. There is, you know, but, but that, but but once Saban came in, is he really elevated it? He got the administration behind him, everybody pointing in the same direction. They got all the facility upgrades and all those cool things that 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 you know that draw in recruits. And then he was able to develop, you know, once he got there. And you know, it's kind of you know to to segue into baseball, we see that you know with the SEC that with all of the money and all the facility upgrades and the, how that has affected being able to recruit nationally where you're not just bringing in people from you know from your home base if you're able to recruit nationally and that's what you know that's what Alabama and and what Georgia and and LSU and, and others are doing but um but it's it's all about putting them in a situation where they feel like that they can better themselves and that's certainly you know what what happened at Alabama yeah, Mark, you tried to eloquently segue us into baseball. I'm going to drive us right back into the ditch real mm-hmm. quick because I just looked at uh, a list of on Wikipedia the Alabama football seasons, you know, year by year. The yeah. real upset here, you're right. Like, you know, every coach, you know, going back to to, to Bears had a, had a ten win season. There's some real upsets in here, like Bill Curry, um, <laughs> you know, managed in three years to have one ten win season. Lost or my to favorite. Auburn years and that was not happening that's yeah that doesn't that doesn't work the real upset though dennis francione 2002 managed to go 10 and 3 and just to give people an idea of how much things have changed since that time which was not that long ago we're talking 20 years ago you know he he left was not fired left to go to texas a&m and i will also remind you that was a big 12 texas a&m that doesn't have all the bells and whistles that it has yeah i have a story about that uh, oh, I really? was okay. I was on the beat at Alabama as a football reporter and other things there, and I went to Hawaii, where Alabama played Hawaii to end Franchoni's um, stint there. We interviewed him, and we asked him about his because there were rumors, but nobody really believed he was leaving, right? And we asked him about his postseason plans, and he's talking about you know recruiting and and off-season conditioning and all of these other things. So I'm like, all right, so nothing's nothing's happening, right? So my wife was with me. Uh, we go to the beach. We're here in Hawaii. You know, you're trying to take a few days on the back end of it. 
we get to the airport uh, after our stay and look up and there it is scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Of course, this was pre-cell phone days, but scrolling across the bottom of the screen, Franchoni leaving for Texas A&M. And I had just talked to the guy like two days ago, right, about his plans. And it just, you know, that's the way things happen there. And, you know, in that instance, and you think about today where if you, anything, something like that happens, you know, immediately, right? There's, there's no um, delay. There's, there, there's no chance to keep something quiet. Um, it's, it's just a whole different world and it's really not that long ago. No doubt. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting because, you know, they've, part of the the magic of Saban was getting everyone at Alabama to sing out of the same songbook. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the next guy may not have that cachet. Yeah. yeah. So almost surely will not have that cachet. So that'll be certainly interesting to monitor. All right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way. Let's, uh, let's talk some, some baseball and talk a little bit about mostly some NCAA tournament stuff before we talk specifically about ABCA Mark, mm-hmm. since you and I last chatted in, in this medium anyway, you know, you put out a, a Q&A about the DSR. We've talked about the DSR that, of course, for those yeah. who haven't listened to that episode where we introduced it is the Diamond Sports Ranking, rating or ranking? I should know that. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, we, we talked about the DSR as, a, as I like scramble to look it up here. I think it's rating. Uh, ranking. It is ranking. Okay. Yeah, Diamond Sports Ranking. Apologies to our friends at 643 Charts. Anyway, the DSR, we, we introduced it a couple weeks ago. It is an RPI alternative um, that our friends at 643 Charts developed. And so Mark and I introduced it. If you want to listen to an interview with some folks from 643 Charts, the main D1 baseball podcast did that a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But Mark also put out uh, late, late last week a Q&A um, based off a, you know, a conversation that Mark and I had offline with folks at 643 charts and, and kind of went over some, uh, you know, questions that you, the listener, the college baseball fan probably would have had about the DSR as it relates, you know, comparisons to RPI and, and really just kind of the idea behind doing this. So, um, first off, Mark, tell us how you would sell that piece to, to a reader, but then if, if you don't mind, kind of give us a feel for now that you've looked under the hood a little more at DSR, what mm-hmm. an SEC fan needs to know about it that yeah. might be a little bit different than what we're used to. Yeah. Well, I guess first off, it was great to nerd out a little bit and and go in and, and talk about the numbers behind it and how the ratings come together and the components, right? So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, um, it, we really went deep into how they, how the, we talked to Rick and Forrest there at, at 643 and, and they went through how they landed on the different components and how they weighted those, right? So for the, you know, cause you want to incorporate, you know, how good your wins are, how strong your opponents are. Um, and, but also they looked at, they wanted to incorporate some other things as well. Um, you know, the, where the games are played, you know, which the RPI also considers, but also like the game of the week, right. Or, or the day of the week is a, is a win on Tuesday equal to a win on Friday. When you think about in our sport, how the pitchers are different. Well, it may not be. And, and, and this will measure it. But, and, but one of the things I wanted to know is what's going to really, what's going to really uh, bring 
big swings and, and volatility to to ratings, right? Because we've seen it. You play a bad team, you win the game, and you drop, you know, seven, eight points or sometimes more, right? So, it, and I don't think anybody really thinks that's a, you know, you, you played and you won. Why did you drop so much, right? Why is that a, even the possibility? And that's that's a reality with the RPI. So, um, and so what they wanted to do is it's a zero sum game. So each um, each game is worth you know the uh, you think about it as one. You're either gonna you're gonna win one or, or, or part of that one or lose part of that one based on the probability of winning and losing. So the byproduct of that, and I'm I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but the byproduct of that is. You're, you're never going to, to have a benefit from not playing, you know, from canceling a game, okay? And, and I guess we'll get into this later, but the NCAA chose not to, quote, penalize teams for, for the cancellation. They didn't really like the, the details of how that, how that worked out. And, you know, as a, I don't know that there's a really a good way to do it based on how the RPI is built. I mean, you, it would be a strictly a penalty. You're, we're going to dock you X amount, but then, you know, how do you how do you evaluate whether that's a true cancellation for other re, for valid reasons versus for RPI gaming purposes, right? So to get back on track, um, I, I think one of the the big things I like about it is it's going to you know based on the probability of winning a game or losing a game you're going to be a, you're going to take the points from the team you beat and you're going to lose points from the team that beat you okay so that part i really like um it does not weight strength of schedule as much uh and we go into the details if you go read the piece you'll you'll, you'll kind of get an idea of how that works um and as a result uh, uh, they don't they don't weight the um, the road bonuses and the home loss home penalties as much because the, the thought was that was really a reaction to how much strength of schedule was weighted in the RPI and I thought that was an interesting point uh, what I'm what I'm curious about is how that will play out over the course of you know course of watching it you know, this year, because now we're, we're going to get to evaluate these tools side by side as the year goes on. So that that's obviously a, a pretty interesting uh, opportunity, right? Because all of these, um, all, all the DSR ratings are going to be on D1 Baseball. They're going to have a, a, a user interface where you can go in, you can see how it tracked based on a, you know, based on a win, based on a loss, based on the opponent, all of that. And you'll be able to see that, see it. Um, and see how it was affected from day to day, which is really difficult to do, you know, with with the, the RPI because it's in today's world it's so based on what your opponents and your opponents' opponents do versus what you do, and you know, just from a intellectual standpoint, I kind of like being in control of my own destiny and not being so, um, you know, so tied up in in how other people do after I played them, you know, I play them in week one and then, you know, week 50 or not week, but game 50, you know, they're, they're terrible now when they were pretty good early in the year. Right. So all of those, those factors DSR tries to account for where the RPI really can't. So, so that part I'm interested in, I do think that 
at this point, and, and we'll get into this kind of w- with the ABCA stuff, but I don't know that the RPI can, quote, be fixed uh, in its current state, the way the current formula, I think it needs to be replaced. And whether it's whether it's the DSR, whether it's something else, right, um, I, I think we're at the point now where we're, you know, where, where we're getting, we're having some serious conversations that, 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 that may actually be, you know, something we have always wondered, would we ever do this? And I, I think that day is getting close. I really do. Momentum is certainly there. I think that that is kind of one of my biggest takeaways from, I mean, really it's just been the last few weeks, whether it was DSR or whether the, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the KPI here shortly, but a couple of points you yeah. made there. I think, I think we can all agree, like, a bare minimum requirement for whatever comes next mm-hmm. is eliminating the motivation to cancel games for no good reason. Yeah. Um, I think that's on all sides, right? Because if you're a low major team that knows your RPI is going to stink, like that sucks. Cause you just kind of know that it's going to be hard for us to get games in May against, yeah. you know, teams that are typically postseason teams. And then if you're obviously the team chasing the postseason, like that's not a fun phone call to make, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just awkward and that's got to be tough. And, you know, um, but it kind of is what it is. And so, you know, with, with the DSR, it, it does disincentivize that. And, you know, you, I think Mike Rooney brought up the hypothetical to offline to us, like in a, in a group chat about, well, is, and he wasn't saying it would necessarily be a bad thing, but, He's like, is an unintended consequence of this that teams will just start fishing around for better games? And like, I think the short answer is yes, maybe. But also, I think that how many of those are there going to be? Because coaches don't really want to change the schedule on the fly, but they're in a position where they feel like they have to. So sure, could you maybe schedule a better midweek game occasionally? Like, perhaps, I mean, maybe what you end up seeing instead is just teams leaving more open dates for midweeks late in the year and they maybe either play them or they don't depending on who they can get, you know, you you get Um, a rain out in February and you just don't fill it. And then in May you have that opportunity, right? Yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll see some of that. You also bring up the, 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 the stress that comes with, you know, you play a team in February and then you have to cross your fingers. That team is, is good. It, It reminds me of one of Jay Johnson's years at Arizona where, um, or maybe it was Nevada one of the two when he was at Nevada or Arizona and they missed the postseason. Um, you know, they had a bunch of games lined up in conference. I think it was Nevada, actually a bunch of games lined up late in the year against top 50 RPI teams. And they did really well in that stretch. Well, but because they won those games, those teams dropped out of the top 50 of the RPI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like mm-hmm. dropping from 47 to 55 is not a it's material difference. Right. But in, in, on the team sheet, like, unless the selection committee is really locked in on what happened there, it's just not going to be reflected. So that, that is always frustrating. So anyway, long story short. Well, I mean, the RPI is go ahead, finish your point. I was just going to say cleaning, cleaning up up those couple of things, the scheduling piece and the not being so tied to what happens next for your Mm -hmm. opponents, I think are a couple of just really good bullet points of things that they're trying to focus on. Yeah, I would agree. And you know, the RPI, tiers right and that's something that that they're gonna kind of look at but still i mean you have to have a cutoff somewhere so there's always going to be that possibility of beating somebody and they slide right beyond the tier and that's the challenging part 
it's almost like you need a floating tier, right? Because what makes 25 the right number? What makes 50 the right number? You know, I've always thought about there needs to be a, you know, a pool of teams that we're, we call the, you know, you know, team A and team B and team C, and it's not based on, on any, any kind of hard number, right? It, it moves based on, hey, here's the cutoff. And it, of course, that's subjective. And you would need to have someone who, who, could, who could put that in there. But then it's not arbitrary, right? It's, it's not 1 through 25. And 26 might, might not be any different than 22, right? So it's those kinds of things that make this, make this really challenging. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. Ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. So let's talk about some of the couple of things that we've alluded to. Um, let's start with the change in the quad system because we were just kind of talking about that. And so <clears throat> before we before we start this part of the conversation, I feel like I should give the disclaimer up top because there was some confusion about this. Um, when I wrote about this for, for, for the site, but there has been no change in how the RPI is calculated for 2024. Flatly, it's the same. However, what we're talking about here is, and this is more terminology, more commonly used in basketball, quad one wins, quad two wins, quad three, quad four that exists in baseball, but we tend to group them more like top 50, top hundred, what have you. But the quads do show up on the team sheets that the committee is given when they're deliberating to, to build the field. And so that, that does matter. So a couple of things here, um, typically or previously the quads were split up just based on RPI. So one through 25, 26 through 50, 51 to hundred, and then one Oh one plus. Now at first blush blush one Oh one plus being quad four is pretty Mm-hmm. harsh. I mean, like there could be some good teams that play in just not good leagues <laughs> that are tough customers that are 120 in RPI, right? So like that mm-hmm. feels weird to begin with, but I won't read a whole bunch of numbers here. You can go to d1baseball.com, read my piece um from ABCA cuz I don't want to to lose you just reading a bunch of numbers here, but basically long story short is they've now broken up the RPI based on if things are home, neutral, or road, I'll just give you one example. Instead of quad one being just flatly one through 25 in RPI, quad one home game is anything against RPI one through 25. If you play it on a neutral site, it's RPI one through 40. And if you play a road game versus RPI one through 60, it's a quad one win. And it kind of just filters on down through there. It does what the the RPI kind of does, which is give a little bit of grace to, to road games and, and neutral site games, which makes some sense on it on its face. Um, what's your reaction there, Mark? How do you think this could materially affect I, anything having to do with the SEC? I think it's double counting. I mean, I really do because you're already giving the the road bonus and the home penalty in the RPI itself, and then you're using those exact same numbers to tweak the 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 quads even more. Okay, so it's 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 really giving you um, 
the impotence to go schedule road games. Okay. And as in this league, you look down the list and I've got a piece on this coming up. It's, it, there's just a, a lot of several teams in this league. Very seldom will, will, will leave home, especially in midweek. Right. So, um, and, and if they go and, you know, even in pre-conference weekends, there's one neutral site weekend maybe, and that's it, right? There's not road games. So, so I think that was my, my first thought. Okay. The other is, okay, you just change this and everyone's schedule has already been made. Okay. So as far as I know, this was just released. I feel like I keep, keep up pretty close and I didn't know about this. So I don't know if coaches had any kind of heads up that this was coming, but their schedules are, I mean, the cake's already in the oven now. Um, you, you can't change the ingredients at this point, at least not, 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 not very, not, not very much. Right. So, so that was surprising. Um, I, I do think that, that, you know, that, that it's going to reward teams that are able to have road success. And now it's, you don't even have to have road success against, you know, the top 25 anymore, the top 50 anymore. You just need road success because really I mean, you, you read off the numbers. I mean, for a quad one road game, one through 60, or even quad two, it's under 120. Okay. And then road three or for quad three, it's under 240 on the road. Um, you can, you can certainly pick up some, some, some quad three wins and, and just to correlate that, that's 51 to 100 at home. Okay. So it counts the same beating 240 on the road counts the same as 51 at home. Okay. Those are not equivalent teams, not in any, not in anyone's vocabulary or those equivalent. So I, I don't know the, the reason it was done, but I, it seemed to me it, it wasn't that thought that well thought out. I would love for someone who involved in that process to give me a, give me a holler. Yeah. Text Mark Etheridge. If you have more information on that, you know, I mean, a couple of funny things there is one is I like the idea of, you know, quad four road games being against anybody, you know, worse than 241 in the RPI. It seems almost impossible for an SEC team to play a road game against someone that low in RPI. Yeah, it's, it's not built with like, the SEC in mind for, for well, for four. sure. Certainly yeah. with quad no. one, it is. Yeah, that's absolutely but what that's about. It's also interesting in quad two that, you know, you mentioned, you know, anybody under one sixty-one through 120 in RPI on the road is a quad two game, you know, so you're, let's say you're playing an RPI 115 team on the road. That's a quad two win or loss. Whereas it would have been a quad four in the previous, yeah. like, and that's, that's kind of stands out to me that a win can move, you know, two levels up um, from what it previously was. That's a, that's a pretty significant jump. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, I mean, in, I think the the thought behind the change, I, I understand. I mean, you're trying to give more opportunities to different people, and all these big leagues are, you know, they had half the half the host sites and half the top eights, and you're trying to do some things to combat that. But how you did it, I mean, the application of it is is what I have have a problem with. So, one thing though that that is kind of interesting is. I am pleased, and we sort of sort of alluded to this earlier, 
that there's at least conversation about making some changes. There, there's some openness to it where before it was like, ah, we don't know RPI. We, we at least understand it. So it's the devil we know. Okay. And we're, we're not going to look at anything else. Well, at least now you're trying something, even though I, you know, I, I wasn't crazy about this. Um, you know, they, they opened up the possibility uh, of about using the KPI in the measurement, um, which will, you know, we can talk about that more. That is not something that that I was really familiar with. I'd kind of seen it alluded to in hoops, but I really hadn't paid attention to it. So I, I did some numbers. Uh, I mean, I looked at it compared to RPI. I even looked at it compared to DSR, shared that with you guys. And just, I don't, I mean, I don't know that it's that materially different. Um, I, I do think that one of the concepts of the DSR that separates it from the other two is it's going to rank teams by who would be favored by its rating system. Okay. So, you know, on a neutral field, one is favored over two, two over three, and so on. As we've seen with the RPI, that is not the case, right? You'll have you know, we all feel the number 20 team is better than, you know, the number two team sometimes. Okay. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's flawed, especially when you have a committee that's been so reliant, you know, we've all, we all joke about it when they go to the at-large teams, they just, they just pick the candidates, right. The ones that, that meet a minimum criteria and then they just sort by RPI and that's who they take. Because if you go down the list there, uh, of, of teams that are really serious contenders that didn't have some other flaw that disqualified them, that's who they took, right? So, so having a rating system that that does rank them in a probability to win is appealing for as someone who has watched the committee, you know, kind of you know put it in a spreadsheet. We've all done the thing, or you put it in the spreadsheet and sort, you know, low to high. Okay. Well, if you're going to do that anyway, let's have something that that picks based on probability to win. Who who would win the game, right? But then that goes into the whole deal of you know because the RPI looks back, so it's measuring what you've quote accomplished. Um, where this is this is a probability of winning a game, right? So those are measuring two different things. It includes that as one of the components, you know, to, to get to that output or the final number, but it's, it's, you know, it's this whole thing of most deserving versus best. You know, we went through this ad nauseum with football this year, right? So it's, it's trying to determine that. And that's what, that's what the DSR is trying to do. And I, I like the concept. We'll find out, if, you know, how, how, how well that, how well they do it. But that, that is attractive, right? To be able to, to pull off something like that. It, if that does materialize. So the other thing that came up at ABCA was you've alluded to it a couple of times now is that the KPI has entered the chat. Yeah. Um, and this was really truly got dropped in our laps. I mean, the quad thing did too, but that's like just a tweak to existing data. Um, you know, so, but the KPI was, I had probably the most common conversation I had at ABCA's coaches asking me like, did you know this was coming? And I'm like, I was going to ask you the same question. And, you know, it just seems like 
I mean, obviously somebody knew it was coming, Mm -hmm. but most coaches I talked to had no idea. And if you're a college basketball fan, you might be a little bit familiar with the, with the KPI. I won't, you could research it yourself if you want to know the nuts and bolts of it. We'll, we'll skip that part here because it's not great audio, but understand two things. One is that it it is a, 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 a system not dissimilar from the stuff we're talking about here and that it does have some proof of concept. You know, college basketball has been using it for, um, you know, a long time now, you know, more than a decade, I think. So, um, it, it is something that's a little bit tried and true. It's not necessarily a, a beta test kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So there, there is that, but here's the part, Mark, before we get into like the, anything else about it, here's the way in the manual we were given at ABCA, here's the way it was phrased as to how this will be used. I wrote this in my story. I'm just going to read from my story real quick. According to the information provided at Thursday's meeting, quote, the KPI will not be used as a selection criterion. However, the committee plans to use this results-based metric as a resource in the selection meeting when evaluating teams. What does that mean? Like, mm-hmm. how how can something, and, and I'm sure there is an explanation for this, but it seems to me that is a distinction without a difference. Yeah. Yeah, we we can parse the words. If if I had to play wordsmith, I would I would say it's going to be there in the room. We're not telling you you have to use it, but it's there to refer to if you know to help break ties or whatever, right? That that was, and and I think that's what that that means. That's what I read from it. I think the bigger message from that though is that we realize that there's been enough you know, hoorah over the RPI that we need to do something. And this is a step in that direction. And, and whether it's, you know, whether it's the KPI, whether it's trying to continue to tweak the RPI, which I think is a losing proposition or, or there's something else and maybe DSR, maybe, maybe it's some other thing we we don't even know about right now. So I, I think that's where we're heading and, and I applaud it. I mean, I, I think that's, that's a good thing. Um, cause it's, if you're going to be this reliant and, and don't get me wrong, I think you need to be reliant on some sort of, uh, objective metric because there's so little interconnectivity between the different parts of the country. And now leagues are getting even bigger, right? So you're, you're going to have teams within the same leagues that, that don't have that many common opponents. Okay. Because of how, how things are, have, have migrated. So it's, it's going to be, I think they're going to be less reliable, not more. Um, and as a result, it needs to be as good as it can be. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point that, so my hunch is that this KPI thing, and this is not inside information, this is just Joe's, you know, kind of read on it, is that the KPI being used as a, let's just call it an unofficial metric, <laughs> a data point, mm-hmm. Um is either a reaction to the DSR being out there and creating conversation, or if not that, then a result of a conversation that also led to the DSR being created. Mm-hmm. Um, could be either of those things. Um, but but to your point, it does suggest there is an acknowledgement that, hey, we we need to try to explore options beyond the RPI. And that is, and that is a good thing. Like I think above all else, no matter what we land on here, like at least we're having the conversation. And I think we inherently understand that 
it's probably going to be some time, right? Um, it's, it, this is not going to roll out 12 months from now. I wouldn't think like a new metric, like this is going to take some time and some shaping and some debate and some legislation and those things kind of move slow. We always want bureaucracy to move faster than it does. So we'll just have to kind of be patient with that. But I think all positive things that we're at least having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I do think that, um, with, I'm careful how I word this, but with public comments, you know, from, from John Cohen last year about the RPI, not really, you know, being all things to all people that, that sometimes is referred to, um, I think that is why we have the KPI this year. And I also think that if the DSR had been around last year, there was an opportunity, you know, cause this is brand new. It hasn't even been through a full season live, right? It's, we haven't even seen a version one of it. Okay. This is, this is all prototyping until we have some new, some new games and watch it as it, as it builds. I think it had an opportunity or still has an opportunity to be that replacement as it goes forward in some version of it. All right. Version two, version three, however it, as it continues to go, because you know how it is when you build something, you very seldom get everything right the first time, right? You, You learn as you go and you prototype it and you build and build and build and, and you're agile about it. And you're, you're able to, to, to get to a, a piece at the end that everybody's happy. And that's what we're going to be able to see with it and come and have these other tools to compare it to. Cause, and that's a big part of what we'll do all year. You know, we'll, we'll take a, a small subset, say the sec and we'll watch it, right. Watch it with those 14 teams and, and see how it looks every week. So um, that'll be part of, part of our journey. Indeed. And, and the beauty of it, if you're an sec fan, and I say this at the end, as opposed to at the top of this episode, because I, I didn't want to undermine the discussion, but the beauty of it, if you're an sec fan is that these are uh, margin cases, right? Um, mm-hmm. The bottom line in the sec is if you win enough sec games, you're probably fine. Whatever it is you want to do, get in the postseason, host a regional, be a top eight, all of that. You win enough sec games, you're fine. This is not the Sun Belt where you have to have some things go your way and, you know, you have to schedule just so all that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, I mean, that frustrates and I understand the frustration that frustrates people outside of the SEC. And look, we, I think we can all understand why that's frustrating for someone outside of that, that group. However, if you are a fan of an SEC club, it largely remains true that if you just mostly take care of business within the league, you're going to be fine. Now it's easier said than done, obviously, but that is kind of the reality of the situation. So that has not changed. One other point is, yeah. you know, with the quads, I mean, this is this is already enacted, right? So we're going to use this this year. So that's going to change how we all look at the tiers and how this goes. So um, one of the pieces that we're working on is for, for part of the season preview, SEC season preview, is we're going to take a look at, at what the what each each of the fourteen teams' schedules look like based on last year's RPI and this year's quads. Right. So you kind of see what based on how the quote intended strength of schedule would be in a quad uh, realm. So just just kind of some interesting things. Missouri, all 30 of their SEC teams are quad one. All right. They're the only one. Uh, you have some that, you know, may only have 18 quad one games. Right. Where all of theirs are. And, you know, so it's it's just kind of one of those things where you know your road games uh 
were against the teams with the worst RPIs and your home games are against the teams with the higher RPIs. It's still, I mean, and you aren't guaranteed that those are going to be the best teams this year. As we've seen the last couple of years where the defending champs didn't even make, you know, defending national champs didn't make conference tournament all in year. We'll see if LSU can break that streak. Um, pretty confident they will. Uh, th- that's, but, but those are the kinds of things that we'll look at. You know, we, we've got tons of stuff planned, but we're already working on it. We're trying to trying to get some of the, the, the final nuances uh, toned. And uh, at that point, you know, it's, it's going to be really fun to follow just because it's different, right? So we'll, we'll take, take us all just a little bit of time to understand, you know, how those, how those quad setups are going to play out. Maybe it's much ado about nothing. Maybe it's, it stays pretty common or maybe there's some, there's some actual real changes. And, you know, when we look at things counting, counting twice, you know, really giving credence to road wins, maybe that's, that's going to be a, a big thing for teams that scheduled, you know, aggressively when, you, you know, the Kentucky from last year or the Indiana state, you know, in the past, I think it's going to help those kind of clubs even more because of those opportunities and the teams that play all the home games, we're going to see how much it hurts them. Yeah. You, you led us right to the doorstep there, Mark, a good opportunity now to uh, talk a little bit about just quickly, like we're closing mm-hmm. out this episode, but um stuff we have coming up, you know, yeah. I, I, Mark and I have been working in our little editorial calendar. I can tell you, we got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, we kind of have a soft launch of preview week next week. Mark has a whole series of features that I, I won't totally spoil here, but there's some individual program stuff. There's a lot of big picture stuff, which I think is, is cool. He's been working on these things for and kind of marinating these for a while. So that's kind of a soft launch to preview stuff. And then the week of the 22nd of January is when we start to roll out our individual preview pieces. So here's what you can expect for, for each individual sec club, you will get the following a podcast episode, about 15 minutes that kind of just breaks down, breaks down the team. That's pretty straightforward. You will get a schedule analysis piece from Mark that will just kind of lay out, you know, how the schedule breaks and how it affects you know, postseason hopes or whatever that program is trying to do. You will get an individual piece from me on uh, five breakout players, potentially for for each program. And then you'll get a piece that Mark and I are going to work on together um, called a, a preseason snapshot. So in this piece, we'll, we'll do like a little blurb at the top, like state of the program. We'll have the team's projected lineup in there. Um, we'll have... Um, uh, questions to answer. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll list a, a series top of questions that are, lines, right. yeah. Top storylines yeah. for Mark. We'll, we'll have little bits on how, here's how things could go right. Here's how things could go wrong. Mm-hmm. So that preseason snapshot is going to be a little bit of a potpourri of things, if you will, um, to, to get you ready for the season. So a lot of individual stuff coming your way over the next few weeks. So if you're just listening to this on your favorite podcasting app and you are not subscribed to sec extra, now would be the time to do it, honestly. And, uh, you know, obviously Mark and I have skin in the game. And so, we, we, yes, we, we're saying that for that reason, but also that's just true. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to get in now is the time to do it because you'll get all the preview content over the next month leading up to opening day, which is in about five weeks. Um, not not that long. So you want to make sure you're make sure you're ready for that. So, yeah, uh, I mean, and I honestly, there's there's nowhere out here, uh, you know, nowhere that you're going to find. Uh, dedicated content on you know all sec teams like this right uh, with this this much and you know disconnected because we're, we're not just writing this 
you know, based on our own knowledge, these are through interviews with coaches and other sources that, that we're able to put this together. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, everything pretty heavily re reported and researched and you can, you can bet that Mark and I have been working hard in the lab on all this stuff. So we would be humbled, honestly, if you, if you would um, join us, Go over to d1baseball.com, click the SEC extra tab at the top of the page and subscribe. Give us a give us a year to win your business for the for the second year. Um, you can still use the code fall20 to get 20% off of your annual prescription prescription subscription um, or prescription. Yeah, it'll make it make you feel better. It, it helps you in the dreary months of January and early February. It'll bring a little sunshine to you. That's what I'm prescribing if you yeah. subscribe to SEC Extra. I like it. Yeah, take a little wordplay there, um, if you will, to wrap up this podcast. That will do it for this edition of Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra over at d1baseball.com. Uh, thank you to PitchLogic for sponsoring this and every episode of Highway to Hoover. Thank you, as always, to Mark, and thank you, the listener, for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. The Highway to Hoover podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. That, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric CDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.